Chapter Seventeen, Part Three of A Short Account of the History of Mathematics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading is by Paul King, pjk.scripps.mit.edu forward slash pkj. A Short Account of the History of Mathematics by W. W. Rouse Ball chapter eighteen leibniz and the mathematicians of the first half of the eighteenth century daniel bernoulli daniel bernoulli whose name i mentioned above and who was by far the ablest of the younger bernoullis was a contemporary and intimate friend of euler whose works are mentioned in the next chapter daniel bernoulli was born on february ninth seventeen hundred and died at bale where he was professor of natural philosophy on march seventeenth seventeen eighty two he went to st petersburg in seventeen twenty four as professor of mathematics but the roughness of the social life was distasteful to him and he was not sorry when a temporary illness in seventeen thirty three allowed him to plead his health as an excuse for leaving he then returned to bale where he held successively chairs of medicine metaphysics and natural philosophy there his earliest mathematical work was on the excursiones published in seventeen twenty four these contain a theory of the oscillations of rigid bodies and a solution to the differential equations proposed by riccati two years later he pointed out for the first time the frequent desirability of resolving a compound motion into motions of translation and motions of rotation his chief work is his hydrodynamique published in seventeen thirty eight it resembles lagrange's mecanique analytique in being arranged so that all the results are consequences of a single principle namely in this case the conservation of energy this was followed by a memoir on the theory of the tides to which conjointly with memoirs by euler and maclaurin a prize was awarded by the french academy these three memoirs contain all that was done on the subject between publication of newton's principia and the investigations of laplace bernoulli also wrote a large number of papers on various mechanical questions especially on problems connected with vibrating strings and the solutions given by taylor and d'alembert he is the earliest writer who attempted to formulate a kinetic theory of gases and he applied the idea to explain the law associated with the names of boyle and Mariotte. the english mathematicians of the eighteenth century i have reserved a notice of the english mathematicians who succeeded newton in order that the members of the english school may all be treated together it was almost a matter of course that the english should at least at first have adopted the notation of newton in the infinitesimal calculus in preference to that of leibniz and the english school would consequently in any case have developed on somewhat different lines to that of the continent where a knowledge of the infinitesimal calculus was derived solely from leibniz and the bernoullis but this separation into two distinct schools became very marked owing to the action of leibniz and john bernoulli which was naturally resented by newton's friends and so for forty or fifty years to the mutual disadvantage of both sides the quarrel raged the leading members of the english school were coates demoivre diton david gregory halley maclaurin simpson and taylor 
I may, however, again remind my readers that as we approach the modern times, the number of capable mathematicians in Britain, France, Germany, and Italy becomes very considerable, but that in a popular sketch like this book it is only the leading men who I propose to mention. To David Gregory, Halley, and Ditton I need to devote but a few words. David Gregory David Gregory, the nephew of James Gregory, mentioned above in page 315, born at Aberdeen on June 24, 1661, and died at Maidenhead on October 10, 1708, was appointed professor at Edinburgh in 1684, and in 1691 was, on Newton's recommendation, elected civilian professor at Oxford. His chief works are one on geometry, issued in 1684, one on optics, published in 1695, which contains the earliest suggestion of the possibility of making an achromatic combinations of lenses, and one on the Newtonian geometry, physics, and astronomy, issued in 1702. Halley. Edmund Halley, born in London in 1656 and died at Greenwich, in 1742, was educated at St. Paul's School, London, and Queen's College, Oxford, in 1703, succeeded Wallace as civilian professor, and subsequently in 1720 was appointed Astronomer Royal in succession to Flamsteed, whose Historia Celestis Britannica he edited in 1712, first and imperfect edition. Halley's name will be recollected for the generous manner in which he secured the immediate publication of Newton's Principia in 1687. Most of his original work on, was on astronomy and allied subjects and lies outside the limits of this book. It may be, however, said that the work is of excellent quality, and both Lalande and Meran speak of it in the highest terms. Halley conjecturally restored the eighth and lost book of the Conics of Apollonius, and in 1710 brought out a magnificent edition of the whole work. He also edited the works of Serenus and those of Menelaus, and some of the minor works of Apollonius. He was in his turn succeeded at Greenwich as an astronomer royal by Bradley. Ditton, Humphrey Ditton, born at Salisbury on May 29, 1675, and died in London in 1715 at Christ's Hospital, where he was mathematical master. He does not seem to have paid much attention to mathematics until he came to London about 1705, and his early death was a distinct loss to English science. He published in 1706 a textbook on fluxions, this and another similar work by William Jones, which was issued in 1711, occupied in England much the same place as L'Hopital's treatise did in France. In 1709, Ditton issued an algebra, and in 1712 a treatise on perspective. He also wrote numerous papers on the philosophical transactions. He was the earliest writer to attempt to explain the phenomenon of capillary on mathematical principles, and he invented a, a method of finding the longitude which has been since used on various occasions. Taylor Brooke Taylor, born at Edmonton, on August 18, 1685, and died in London on December 29, 1731, was educated at St. John's College, Cambridge, and was among the most enthusiastic of Newton's admirers. 
from the year seventeen twelve onwards he wrote numerous papers on philosophical transactions in which among other things he discussed the motion of projectiles the centre of oscillation and the forms of liquids raised by capillarity in seventeen nineteen he resigned the secretaryship of the royal society and abandoned the study of mathematics his earliest work that by which he is generally known is his methodus incrementorum directa et inversa published in london in seventeen fifteen this contains a proof of the well-known theorem f of x plus h equals f of x plus h f prime of x plus h squared over two factorial multiplied by f double prime of x plus and so on by which any function of a single variable can be expanded in powers of it he does not consider the convergency of the series and the proof which involves numerous assumptions is not worth reproducing the work also includes several theorems on interpolation taylor was the earliest writer to deal with theorems on the change of the independent variable he was perhaps the first to realize the possibility of a calculus of operation and just as he denotes the nth differential coefficient of y by y sub n so he uses y sub negative one to represent the integral of y lastly he is usually recognized as the creator of the theory of finite differences the applications of the calculus to various questions given in the methodus have hardly received that attention they deserve the most important of them is the theory of the transverse vibration of strings a problem which had baffled previous investigators in this investigation taylor shews that the number of half vibrations executed in a second is pi multiplied by the square root of the quantity dp divided by ln where l is the length of the string n is its weight p is the weight which stretches it and d is the length of a second's pendulum this is correct but in arriving at it he assumes that every point on the string will pass through its position of equilibrium at the same instant a restriction which de la Berndt subsequently shewed to be unnecessary taylor also found the form which the string assumes at any instant this work also contains the earliest determination of the differential equation of the path of a ray of light when traversing a heterogeneous medium and assuming that the density of the air depends only on its distance from the earth's surface taylor obtained by means of quadratures the approximate form of the curve the form of the catenary and the determination of the centers of oscillation and percussion are also discussed a treatise on perspective published in seventeen nineteen contains the earliest general enunciation of the principle of vanishing points though the idea of vanishing points for horizontal and parallel lines in a picture hung in a vertical plane had been enunciated by guido ubaldi in his perspective libri pisa sixteen hundred coates roger coates was born near leicester on july tenth sixteen eighty two and died at cambridge on june fifth seventeen sixteen he was educated at trinity college cambridge of which society he was a fellow and in seventeen o six was elected to the newly created plumian chair of astronomy in the university of cambridge from seventeen o nine to seventeen thirteen his time was mainly occupied in editing the second edition of the principia
the remark of newton that if only coates had lived we should have learnt something indicates the opinion of his abilities held by most of his contemporaries coates's writings were collected and published in seventeen twenty two under the titles harmonia mensurarum and opera miscellanea his lectures on hydrostatics were published in seventeen thirty eight a large part of the harmonia mensuratum was given up to the decomposition and integration of rational algebraical expressions that part which deals with the theory of partial fractions was left unfinished but was completed by de moivre coates's theorem in trigonometry which depends on forming the quadratic factors of x to the power n minus one is well known the proposition that if from a fixed point o a line be drawn cutting a curve in q one q two and so on to q n and a point p be taken on the line so that the reciprocal of o p is the arithmetic mean of the reciprocals of o q one o q two o q three and so on all the way to o q n then the locus of p will be a straight line is also due to coates the title of the book was derived from the latter theorem the opera miscellanea contains a paper on the method for determining the most probable result from a number of observations this was the earliest attempt to frame a theory of errors it also contains essays on newton's methodus differentialis the construction of tables by the method of differences on the descent of a body under gravity on the cycloidal pendulum and on projectiles de moivre abraham de moivre more correctly written de moivre in two words was born at vitry in may twenty sixth sixteen sixty seven and died in london on november twenty seventh seventeen fifty four his parents came to england when he was a boy and his education and friends were alike english his interest in the higher mathematics is said to have originated in his coming by chance across a copy of newton's principia from the eloge on him delivered in seventeen fifty four before the french academy it would seem that as a young fellow his work as a teacher of mathematics had led him to the house of the earl of devonshire at the instant when newton who had asked permission to present a copy of his work to the earl was coming up taking up the book and charmed by the far-reaching conclusions and the apparent simplicity of the reasoning de moivre thought nothing would be easier than to master the subject but to his surprise found that to follow the argument overtaxed his powers he however bought a copy and he, as he had but little leisure he tore out the pages in order to carry one or two of them loose in his pocket so that he could study them in the intervals of his work as a teacher subsequently he joined the royal society and he became intimately connected with newton halley and other mathematicians of the english school the manner of his death has a curious interest for psychologists shortly before it he declared that it was necessary for him to sleep some ten minutes or a quarter of an hour longer each day than the preceding one the day after he had thus reached a total of something over twenty-three hours he slept up to the limit of twenty-four hours and then died in his sleep he is best known for having together with lambert created that part of trigonometry which deals with imaginary quantities
two theorems on this part of the subject are still connected with his name namely that which asserts that sine nx plus icos nx is one of the values of the quantity sine x plus icos x all to the power n and that which gives the various quadratic factors of x to the power 2n minus 2 times px to the power n plus 1 his chief works other than numerous papers in the philosophical transactions were the doctrine of chances published in 1718 and the miscellanea analytica published in 1730 in the former the theory of recurring series was first given and the theory of partial fractions which coates's premature death had left unfinished was completed while the rule for finding the probability of a compound event was enunciated the latter besides the trigonometrical propositions mentioned above contains some theorems in astronomy but they are treated as problems in analysis Maclaurin, Colin Maclaurin, who was born in Kilmodan in Argyllshire in February 1698 and died at York on June 14, 1746, was educated at the University of Glasgow. In 1717 he was elected at the early age of 19 Professor of Mathematics at Aberdeen, and in 1725 he was appointed the Deputy of the Mathematical Professor at Edinburgh and ultimately succeeded him there was some difficulty in securing a stipend for a deputy and newton privately wrote offering to bear the cost so as to enable the university to secure the services of maclaurin maclaurin took an active part in opposing the advance of the young pretender in seventeen forty five on the approach of the highlanders he fled to york but the exposure in the trenches at edinburgh and the privations he endured in his escape proved fatal to him his chief works are geometrica organica london seventeen nineteen his treatise on fluxions edinburgh seventeen forty two his algebra london seventeen forty eight and his account of newton's discoveries london seventeen forty eight the geometrica organica is on the extension of a theorem given by newton newton had shown that if two angles bounded by straight lines turn round their respective summits so that the point of intersection of two of these lines moves along a straight line the other point of intersection will describe a conic and if the first point move along a conic the second will describe a cortic Maclaurin gave an analytical discussion on the general theorem and shewed by how this method various curves could be practically traced. This work contains an elaborate discussion on curves and their pedals, a branch of geometry which he had created in two papers published in the Philosophical Transactions for 1718 and 1719. In the following year, 1720, Maclaurin issued a supplement which is practically the same as his Delinearum Geometricarum Proprietatibus. It is divided into three sections and an appendix. The first section contains a proof of Coates's theorem as alluded to, and also the analogous theorem discovered by himself, that if a straight line OP1P2 is drawn through a fixed point O, cut a curve of the nth degree in n points p1 p2 and so on and if the tangents at p1 p2 cut in a fixed line ox in points a1 a2 and so on then the sum of the reciprocals of the distances 
OA1, OA2, and so forth, is constant for all positions of the line OP1, P2, and so on. These two theorems are generalizations of those given by Newton on diameters and asymptotes. Either is deducible from the other. In the second section, these theorems are applied to conics. Most of these harmonic properties connected with an inscribed quadrilateral are determined, and in particular the theorem on an inscribed hexagon, which is known by the name of Pascal, is deduced. Pascal's essay was not published until 1779, and the earliest printed enunciation of his theorem was that given by Maclaurin. In the third section, these theorems are applied to cubic curves. Amongst other propositions, he shews that if, quadril if a quadrilateral be inscribed in a cubic, and if the points of intersection of the opposite sides also lie on the curve, then the tangents to the cubic at any two opposite angles of the quadrilateral will meet on the curve. The appendix contains some general theorems. One of these, which includes Pascal's as a particular case, is that if a polygon be deformed so that while each of its sides passes through a fixed point, its angles save one describe respectively curves of the mth, nth, pth, and so forth degrees, then shall the remaining angle describe a curve of the degree 2mnp. But if the given points be collinear, the resulting curve will be only of the, the degree mnp. This essay was reprinted with additions on the Philosophical Transactions for 1735. The Treatise of Fluxions, published in 1742, was the first logical and systematic exposition of the method of fluxions. The cause of its publication was an attack by Berkeley on the principles of the infinitesimal calculus. In it, Article 751, page 610, Maclaurin gave a proof of the theorem that f of x equals f of 0 plus f xf prime of 0 plus x squared over 2 factorial f double prime of 0 plus so on and so forth. This was obtained in the manner given in many modern textbooks by assuming that f of x can be expanded in a form like f of x equals a naught plus a1x plus a2x squared plus and so on and so on. Then on differentiating and putting x equals 0 in the successive results, the values of a0, a1 and so on are obtained. But he did not investigate the convergency of the series. The result had been previously given in 1730 by James Stirling in his Methodis Differentialis, and of course is at once deducible from Taylor's theorem on which the proofs by Stirling and Maclaurin are admittedly founded. Maclaurin also here enunciated, article 350, page 289, the important theorem that if phi x be positive and decrease as x increases from x equals a to x equals infinity, then the series phi of a plus phi of a plus 1 plus phi of a plus 2 and so on is convergent or divergent as uh, the integral uh, going from a to infinity of phi of x dx is finite or infinite. He also gives the correct theory of maxima and minima and rules for finding and discriminating multiple points. This treatise is, however, especially valuable for the solutions it contains of numerous problems in geometry, statics, the theory of attractions, and astronomy. 
to solve these he reverted to classical methods and so powerful did these processes seem when used by him that clairaut after reading the work abandoned analysis and attacked the problem of the figure of the earth again by pure geometry at a later time this part of the book was described by lagrange as the chef d'oeuvre de géométrie qu'on peut comparer à tous qu'Archimède nous a laissé des plus beaux et des plus ingénieux. Maclaurin also determined the attraction of a homogeneous ellipsoid at an internal point and gave some theorems on its attraction at an external point. In effecting this, he introduced the conception of level surfaces, i.e., surfaces at every point of which the resultant attraction is perpendicular to the surface. No further advances in the theory of attractions was made until Lagrange in 1773 introduced the idea of the potential, see below. Maclaurin also shewed that a spheroid was a possible form of equilibrium of a mass of homogeneous liquid rotating about an axis passing through its center of mass. Finally, he discussed the tides. This part had been previously published in 1740 and had received a prize from the French Academy. Among Maclaurin's minor works is his Algebra, published in 1748 and founded on Newton's Universal Arithmetic. It contains the results of some early papers of Maclaurin, notably of two, written in 1726 and 1729, on the number of imaginary roots of an equation, suggested by Newton's theorem, see above. And of one, written in 1729, containing the well-known rule for finding equal roots by means of the derived equation. To this a treatise entitled De Linearum Geometricarum Propitatibus Generalibus was added as an appendix. Besides the paper of 1720 above alluded to, it contains some additional and elegant theorems. Maclaurin also produced in 1728 an exposition of the Newtonian philosophy, in which is incorporated in the posthumous work printed in 1748. Almost the last paper he wrote was one printed in the Philosophical Transactions in 1743, in which he discussed from a mathematical point of view the form of a bee's cell. Maclaurin was succeeded in his chair at Edinburgh by pupil Matthew Stewart, born at Rothsay in 1717 and died in Edinburgh on January 23, 1785, a mathematician of considerable power to whom I allude in passing for his theorems on the problem of three bodies and for his discussion treated by transversals and involution of the properties of the circle and straight line. Maclaurin was one of the most able mathematicians of the eighteenth century, but his influence on the progress of British mathematics was on the whole unfortunate. By himself abandoning the use of both analysis and of the infinitesimal calculus, he induced Newton's countrymen to confine themselves to Newton's methods, and I remarked before it was not until about 1820 when the differential calculus was introduced into the cambridge curriculum that english mathematicians made any general use of the more powerful methods of modern analysis simpson the last member of the english school whom i need mention here is thomas simpson who was born in leicestershire 
on August 20th, 1710, and died on May 14th, 1761. His father was a weaver, and he owed his education to his own efforts. His mathematical interests were first aroused by the solar eclipse which took place in 1724, and with the aid of, the, of a fortune-telling peddler, he mastered the Cocker's arithmetic and the elements of algebra. He then gave up his weaving and became an usher at a school, and by constant and laborious efforts improved his mathematical education, so that by 1735 he was able to solve several questions involving the infinitesimal calculus, which had been recently proposed. He next moved to London, and in 1743 was appointed professor of mathematics at Woolwich, a post which he continued to occupy till his death. The works published by Simpson prove him to have been a man of extraordinary natural genius and extreme industry. The most important of them are his fluxions, 1737 and 1750, with numerous applications to physics and astronomy, his laws of chance and his essays, 1740, and his theory of annuities and reversions, a branch of mathematics that is due to James Dodson, 1597 to 1657, who was a master at Christ's Hospital, London, with tables of the value of lives, 1742, his dissertations, 1743, in which the figure of the earth, the force of attraction at the surface of a nearly spherical body, the theory of the tides and the law of astronomical refraction are discussed his algebra seventeen forty five his geometry seventeen forty seven his trigonometry seventeen forty eight in which he introduced the current abbrevi abbreviations for the trigonometrical functions his select exercises seventeen fifty two containing the solutions of numerous problems and a theory of gunnery and lastly, his miscellaneous tracts, 1754. The last consists of eight memoirs, and these contain his best-known investigations. The first three papers are on various problems in astronomy. The fourth is on the theory of mean observations. The fifth and sixth on problems in fluxions and algebra. The seventh contain a general solution of the isoparametrical problem. The eighth contains a discussion of the third and ninth sections of the Principia and their application to the lunar orbit. In this last memoir, Simpson attained a differential equation for the motion of the apse of the lunar orbit, similar to that arrived at by Clairaut, but instead of solving it by successive approximations, he deduced a general solution by indeterminate coefficients. The result agrees with that given by Clairaut. Simpson first solved this problem in 1747, two years later than the publication of Clairaut's memoir, but the solution was discovered independently of Clairaut's researches, of which Simpson first heard in 1748. End of section 29. Recording by Paul King, Oakville, Ontario. pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj.